Ezra chapter 10 verse 1 Now while Ezra prayed and made confession, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there was gathered together unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children, for the people wept very sore. The people were weeping with Ezra because they realized their sin, and they were afraid, just as Ezra was, for their destruction because of their sin, and they also wanted forgiveness. And meanwhile, Ezra is praying, crying, and bowing before the sanctuary of God. 2. And Shechaniah the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have broken faith with our God, and have married foreign women of the peoples of the land. Yet now there is hope for Israel concerning this thing. Shechaniah is saying that basically the hope is God forgiving them. He hopes that God will forgive. 3. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them according to the counsel of the Lord, and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law. 4. Arise, for the matter belongeth unto thee, and we are with thee. Be of good courage, and do it. Shechaniah says, I know what the answer to all this is. It's repentance. We have to stop our sin. We have to repent and make reparations. Reparation is when you correct what you did wrong. Now, sometimes reparation is impossible. Say you stole $10 from somebody when you were 18 years old, and now you live in a different state. You don't remember the person's name. You don't know where they live or what happened to them. So there's no way you can give that $10 back. In that case, reparation is impossible, but you can ask for forgiveness. However, if we're ever capable of making reparation, we have to do it. If you are living with a boyfriend or girlfriend in fornication and you repent, you only have two options, either get married immediately or break up. That's the only way you can make reparations. You can't keep sleeping together and expect that God has forgiven you, because if you keep sleeping together in sin, you haven't really repented. So you can't say, oh, God, forgive me, and I'm going to continue sinning. That's not repentance. Repentance includes reparations, which means you really stop what you're doing and you make up for it. And Shechaniah is telling Ezra and the people, all we have to do is repent, and then we'll be forgiven. They can't stay with these pagan women because these women are going to teach them and their children paganism. They have to get divorced. God required divorce in the book of Ezra. Sometimes divorce is necessary. If somebody is leading you into sin, you have to leave that person even if you're married to them. If they're causing you to take drugs or practice prostitution or perverted evil sex, or if they're raping your children or whatever it is that's causing evil in your home, sometimes divorce is the only way out of that sin. And here in Ezra, that was also the case. The only way for these men to get out of sin was to break up with their wives that were causing them to sin. 5. Then arose Ezra and made the chiefs of the priests, the Levites, and all Israel to swear that they would do according to this word. So they swore. They swore that they would get divorces. 6. Then Ezra rose up from before the house of God and went into the chamber of Jehoahanan, the son of Eliashib. And when he came thither, he did eat no bread nor drink water, for he mourned because of the faithlessness of them of the captivity. He mourned because of the sin, the lack of faith that they had. They didn't believe that God would bring them wives of their own tribe, so they married out. 
Now in the New Testament, Paul told the Christians to remain in their marriage even if they're married to somebody who's not a Christian, because you can lead them to salvation. If they're not forcing you to sin, stay with them. But if they are forcing you to sin, you need to leave. 7. And they made proclamation throughout Judah and Jerusalem unto all the children of the captivity, that they should gather themselves together unto Jerusalem. 8. That whosoever came not within three days according to the counsel of the princes and the elders, all his substance should be forfeited and himself separated from the congregation of the captivity. They made a decree that all the men who had married pagan women had to report to Jerusalem within three days, and if they did not report, then they would be exiled from the other Israelites and that they would also have to leave all of their property. Their property would be given away to a different Israelite. 9. Then all the men of Judah and Benjamin gathered themselves together unto Jerusalem within the three days. It was the ninth month on the twentieth day of the month, and all the people sat in the broad place before the house of God, trembling because of this matter and for the great rain. On this day it just happened to be really heavy rain which is symbolic of the mourning that they were all feeling. So they were cold and standing in the rain. This is one of the saddest days in Israel because reparation costs us something. It's not easy, and it will be hard when we make reparations, but we will be forgiven, and we'll be set free and made whole, and we'll be given eternal life. So it's totally worth it. So here they are standing on this rainy day. They all reported to Jerusalem, and they're in the broad place, which I believe is like the city gate. 10. And Ezra the priest stood up and said unto them, Ye have broken faith and have married foreign women to increase the guilt of Israel. 11. Now therefore make confession unto the Lord, the God of your fathers, and do his pleasure, and separate yourselves from the peoples of the land and from the foreign women. 12. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so it is for us to do. They all agreed with Ezra, this is what we have to do, even though it was hard, even though it broke a lot of hearts. If somebody's leading you into sin, that doesn't mean that you're not in love with them. You may be in love with them. Breaking up may be very, very painful. 13. But the people are many. And it is a time of much rain, and we are not able to stand without, neither is this a work of one day or two, for we have greatly transgressed in this matter. For all of these divorces to take place, it can't all be done on the same day. Everybody's cold, everybody's wet, everybody's probably tired from the journey, and there's no way that all of the divorces can be done legally in one day. 11. Let now our princes of all the congregation stand, and let all them that are in our cities that have married foreign women come at appointed times, and with them the elders of every city, and the judges thereof, until the fierce wrath of our God be turned from us as touching this matter. They're going to do it in a systematic way that will take several days, maybe several weeks, but they're going to systematically have all the men report who married foreign wives, and they're going to report for divorce court. 15. Only Jonathan the son of Asahel and Jaziah the son of Tikvah stood up against this matter, and Meshalem and Shebathai the Levite helped them. There were four men who stood up against it and were the religious people who said, Oh no, you can't get a divorce, that's bad. Just like religious people today who will say, Oh no, your husband molested your children, no, you need to forgive him and stay with him. Or, Oh no, you can work it out even though you're both on drugs, just have strong faith. 
in reality, we often have to end the relationship in order for the healing to begin and in order to make reparations with the Lord. I once knew a couple. They were a couple in the church, and they both were high-serving people in the church. And they told the woman whose husband had molested her son that she should forgive him and continue living with him and her son with him. Now, you know the molestation is going to continue, but they thought it was more important for her to stay married than for her and her son to be safe and to live a different life outside of sexual perversion. Because basically this man was having sex with both the mother and the son, the mother's son. That is sexual perversion. It's against God's law. And these Christian religious people were advising that the woman stay in that situation. But that's an abomination before the Lord. In the book of Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, we learned that incest is an abomination. And yet this religious couple were telling the woman, continue doing that. They gave her totally the wrong advice. When we read scripture, we see that we are not allowed to continue sinning. We have to repent, even if that means getting a divorce, in order to make that happen. 16. And the children of the captivity did so, and Ezra the priest with certain heads of fathers' houses, after their fathers' houses, and all of them by their names were separated, and they sat down in the first day of the tenth month to examine the matter. 17. And they were finished with all the men that had married foreign women by the first day of the first month. 18. And among the sons of the priests there were found that had married foreign women, namely of the sons of Jeshua, the son of Josadak and his brethren, Messiah, and Eliezer, and Jarib, and Gedaliah. 19. And they gave their hand that they would put away their wives. And being guilty, they offered a ram of the flock for their guilt. It says separation and putting away, which doesn't mean divorce. That actually means that you're legally separated. But according to God's law, he said that he hates separation because it forces the woman to commit adultery because she has to remarry to put food on the table. So I believe this is a mistranslation because the Lord said that separation is a sin because it forces the woman to remarry. And since God always wanted the tribes of Israel to multiply, he would never want men to not have children and not have families. I believe that this is a mistranslation and they really are getting legal divorces so that those pagan women can go back to their home village and remarry and the Israelite men can also remarry Israelite women because otherwise it doesn't make any sense with God's other laws. 20. And of the sons of Immer, Hanani and Zebediah, 21. And of the sons of Haram, Messiah and Elijah and Shemaiah and Jehael and Uzziah, 22. And of the sons of Pasher, Elioni, Messiah, Ishmael, Nathanel, Josabad, and Elisah. Now there's another example of separation in the Bible, and it was when Abraham separated from Hagar and sent her out to go live by herself permanently. She was completely exiled from Abraham's family. And so was Ishmael, although he was greatly blessed. He was exiled. In verse 19, that word that is being translated as separate literally means come out. So it means come out of that marriage. Just like the Jews came out of Egypt, it's that same type of come out. So this is a complete divorce. It's a complete cutoff. It's not separation. 23. And of the Levites, Josabad and Shemai and Kaliah, the same is 
Kelita, Pethahiah, Judah, and Eliezer. 24. And of the singers, Eliashib, and of the porters, Shalom, and Telem, and Uri. These are all the men who had married foreign wives. 25. And of Israel, and of the sons of Parash, Ramiah, and Isaiah, and Malchijah, and Majamim, and Eliezer, and Malchijah, and Benaiah. 26. And of the sons of Elam, Mathaniah, Zechariah, and Jehiel, and Abdi, and Jeremoth, and Elijah. Now that's not Elijah the prophet. This is a totally different Elijah. Plus Elijah the prophet lived many years before this, during Ahab's time. 27. And of the sons of Zatu, Elioenai, Eliashib, Mataniah, and Jeremoth, and Zabad, and Aziza. 28. And of the sons of Bibai, Jehohanan, Hananiah, Zabai, Athli, 29, and of the sons of Bani, Meshulam, Malak, and Adiah, Jeshub, and Sheel, and Ramoth. It's mentioning the fathers and the sons, because the fathers authorized the sons to commit this sin. 30, and of the sons of Peheth Moab, Adna, and Shelal, Beniah, Messiah, Mataniah, Bazalel, Benui, and Manasseh. 31. And of the sons of Harim, Eliezer, Ishijah, Malchijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon. 32. Benjamin, Malak, Shemariah. 33. Of the sons of Hashem, Matani, Matata, Zabad, Eliphalet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, Shimei. Some of these names are names that we read in the book of Exodus and when King David was alive. These aren't the same men back then, but these are other men who are possibly named after them because in a family, you would continue the names in the next generation. That's why when John the Baptist was born, the town couldn't understand why his parents wanted to name him John because none of his ancestors were named John. It was tradition to name your son after the father or the grandfather or the great-grandfather. So that's why these names come up over and over, the same names but different people. 34. Of the sons of Bani, Medai, Amram, and Uel. 35. Beniah, Bediah, Chaluhu. 36. Beniah, Merimoth, Eliashib. 37. Mataniah, Matani, and Jesai. 38. And Bani, and Benui, Shimai. 39. Shelemiah, and Nathan, and Adiah. 40. Machnedabai, Sheshai, Sherai. 41. Azarel, and Shelemiah, Shemariah. 42. Shalem, Amariah, Joseph. 43. Of the sons of Nebo, Jael, Mattathiah, Zabad, Zabina, Jadai, and Joel, Beniah. 44. All these had taken foreign wives, and some of them had wives by whom they had children. Not all of these men had children from the foreign wives, but some of them did, and all of them married foreign wives. When these divorces occurred, the foreign wives and the children had to leave Jerusalem and their husbands. Now, why would God send the children out? Because they also are practicing pagans. And also the women deserve to keep their children with them because the women could get livelihood from their children. That's kind of like alimony in a sense by letting their children go with them because their sons and daughters could raise up and 
protect and provide for those women if those women never remarried. And that concludes Ezra chapter 10. It also concludes the book of Ezra. The next book we read is going to be Nehemiah, which is like a sequel to the book of Ezra. We'll read about what the prophet Nehemiah did in Jerusalem and what his effect was on the people of Israel.